0: Welcome to WVU Marketing Horizons, hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenboss. We are grateful to WVU, who offers renowned online master's degree programs in marketing communications, and this series is presented by the Reed College of Media as part of their ongoing marketing series. Thank you for joining us today.
1: Cindy, let me introduce Katie Delahaye Payne whom I've known since I was teaching a course at Columbia called Evaluation and Measurement of Marketing Communications. And Katie was the leading expert in those days, Mm -hmm. and also a source of inspiration on how to demonstrate that your investments in PR were really paying off. And since then, she's evolved into the measurement queen, and she's really called that. And she's keeping us marketers aware of the need for measurement in marketing communications across all channels and the latest thinking on how to plan for it. And I think you and she are gonna get along great because um, Katie, I should mention, Cindy's known as the data queen. So let's get to it (laughs) and (laughs) invite her in for where MarCom measurement might be headed.
0: Oh, I'm thrilled. Katie, it's such a pleasure um, to meet you uh, finally. And I've been following you for years. And yes, I think we're rather simpatico and in the need to look at measurement. um, So important for for all of us marketers. And um, I'd like to jump in and ask you a question, which may kick us off in a rather thorny way, if you don't mind. Um, You know, not all marketing measurement, I believe is the same. Some of our marketing techniques have been really well quantified over the years. We've got great KPIs, we've got agreeable measurements, and some of them just don't seem to have been up for the challenge. Do you agree with me on that? Uh, What's your point of view?
2: For the most part, it depends upon the industry. If you are selling a consumer widget Online and you have an e-commerce site and it is you know fully tagged and all the rest of those metrics and 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 attribution magic uh, are attached to everything you communicate and everything you sell. Yes, that is highly measurable and you could probably attribute a sale to that. Except that. What's happened in the last, certainly in the last two years, if not evolving over time, is that this classic marketing funnel that starts with awareness and right. um, you know ends up with action of some sort has sprung a leak worth seven. <laughs> <10. So
1: laughs>
2: I you, love you it. Think about it today, and we all do this. And, and granted, this is consumer stuff, but it's just as true with other things. A sale you can have awareness, preference, consideration, all of those things and have it instantly derailed because the CEO does something dumb, because somebody says something dumb, because somebody calls for a boycott, because you go to finish the sale and you hate the process. Who knows why you're losing people. And so, yes, you can you can Find attribution for an actual sale, but that doesn't tell you much because it doesn't tell you what you're losing. And on the opposite side, it also, um, other than those very few specific things where you can track everything in an e-commerce environment, it doesn't tell you the impact of you've just announced a new DEI initiative and everybody, you know, you're you're giving money to a charity that I care about, Uh, or that you know you've suddenly changed and all your board members are women and I'm a woman and therefore I'm going to buy from you uh, or I'm of color and I'm going to buy from you or somebody else comes along and says, buy it. Or somebody says you don't buy it. There are so many other influences today outside of what marketers think of as their controlled world. And I just don't think that attribution is is valid today because There's so many other influences. Wow.
0: So are you, you know, you did say a lot about sale and sale being the attribution KPI. So are you saying influence is the measurement in a lot of cases we should be looking at?
2: I think influence, uh, there's a wonderful marketing, uh, you'll love him, data researcher out of um, Australia called Michael Ziviani. And he's done a lot of research on this. So uh, this is not my research. I'm going to attribute it to him. Um, But his point is, is that, yes, there's influence and then there's the de-influence factor. Um, He deals, he's done most of his research in the nonprofit world and finds that influence is one metric, uh, reputation, action, credibility, the actions you take to 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 enforce your reputation, Um, credibility, whether you trust an organization, all of those things go into the decision-making process. And there's so much more quote unquote influential necessarily than an influencer. Though influencers are certainly of value perhaps. On the other hand, if you you choose an influencer that I find abhorrent, that's also not taken into account and so you might say, oh, this campaign didn't work. It didn't get the same numbers that I thought it was going to get. And unless you look at the holistic communications effort, um, you don't get an accurate, an accurate count. One of the things that's interesting, I work with a lot of, um, in the healthcare world, that needless to say does a lot of advertising. Um, and I've always wondered, and I've asked them, You know, how do you account for your KPI is protecting the brand or enhancing the reputation or whatever, and you're measuring that through a rep track study or some kind of reputation study. How are you excluding the gazillions of dollars that you are putting on television at nine o'clock at night, right? And they're not, they're not taking account for that, right? So advertising takes all the credit and PR doesn't even take that into account.
1: Hmm. Interesting. So wait, now I'm thinking you're making the case for the whole notion of figuring out the effectiveness of your marketing communications is up in smoke and we, we're we never going to figure this out.
2: Well, I think part of the problem is that it's. It, I'm arguing for this holistic concept where the entire communications team is working towards business goals, right? That's what people are supposed to be doing. That's not how measurement has evolved. What measurement has evolved in is, you know, paid advertising had its metrics and then social, then no, then digital advertising had its metrics and now influence has its metrics and PR has its metrics. And typically, if you look at a measurement dashboard, um, you've got silos. Right, everybody's measuring their own thing, as opposed to how is communications contributing towards the business goal. And I spend Mm -hmm. literally all my days explaining this to people and saying to them, "Look, if the goal is fine, if the goal is to increase revenue, then you have to map out a path from whatever it is that you're doing to revenue, and whether that's building awareness or building credibility." or finding influencers to change people's minds, whatever it happens to be, that's your your contribution to that process. And all these groups have to come together and say, because frankly, nobody in a board meeting, nobody in a finance meeting is sitting there saying, I want to know how effective the 47 tweets we did last month are. They don't care. They care about this big marketing budget over here or this big communication budget over there? And is it delivering? And that's how they look at it. And therefore that's how we should be looking at it.
1: So what would be an example of a, a holistic oriented objective that would cover all of those otherwise silos?
2: Well, so a lot of my work also comes to, you know, either enhancing or protecting uh, uh, market share. So there's a number of things that go into market share. Obviously, you got to sell more than the other guys. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you also have to look at share of desirable voice versus share of undesirable voice, right? So if you're getting slammed for fraudulent practices and you've got a ton of negative press out there and you're not making your sales numbers, guess why? It might just be your PR, and unless you factor, and what I do is I pull together these integrated dashboards, and it looks at earned media, traditional and social, earned, paid social, website stuff, whether you, whatever you wanna call the website digital content world, internal communications, public affairs, executive communications, events, right? And anything else you want to throw in there. And that's the way I encourage clients to think about it. Because if, you know, if Ruth Stevens is in charge of all those things, you're being judged on all those things and how you contribute to the business goals. And so you, you map out a path from all those things down to the business goals and you get everybody to agree on it.
0: It sounds fabulous, Katie. It really does. <laughs> I will say I have a couple of concerns about this. Um, many marketers um, are in, you know, let's say middle management and own a budget or own um, their outcome. So let's talk about all these great um, uh, techniques and, and areas you mentioned. Let's just pick something like, you know, paid social. And they've got their budget and they got to protect and justify and rationalize, you know, why I have X budget and then to pound my chest that I've contributed so I can protect it. So my paid social budget doesn't get given to the uh, digital people who are fighting that they're saying that they did more in paid search than I did in paid social. So coming together and breaking down silos, I think, is a perennial problem that we have as marketers, right? So can measurement break down the silos by showing something like this more globally? Or do we have to break the silos down between us internally as marketers and get along more before the metrics are going to be able to do their job the way you're discussing it?
2: Well, you become what you measure, right? So if you're measuring clicks and likes and follows and all that other stuff, or column inches or whatever it is, you're gonna get more of those, right? That's what you're gonna work for. That's gonna wake up every morning and you're gonna say, how do I get more followers? If you are measuring the whole communications efforts towards this goal that we're proving that we are shortening the sales cycle, increasing revenue, increasing the share of voice or the share of market, If every morning you think of a holistic thing, you're much more likely to cooperate with others. You're much more likely to share ideas and brainstorm and think about how we, with all the communications tools we have, can achieve this goal. And once you kind of figure that out and say, okay, social does this piece of it and we can measure that. And digital can do this and we can measure this piece of it. And PR can do this piece of it, and we're gonna measure that maybe by surveys or maybe by really interesting AI-driven social listening. Um, And you, you basically say, this is what you are contributing, but ultimately we are measured as a team and unless you're a team of one, which gets a little bit more complicated, but then there aren't so many silos, but we are measured as a team on these contributions. And that way the whole team is thinking, okay, how do I get this big hairy business goal accomplished um, today? I think it makes for more effective communications teams and more effective leadership.
1: Hmm, I can see that. Well, what about the relative measurability uh, that Cindy was alluding to earlier that some communications channels, some media channels are more measurable on a kind of concrete level than others? For example, uh, the e-commerce example you gave earlier of a consumer product Leaving out all the noise that you also added to the mix uh, is, on the face of it, highly measurable. I would say, compared to, say, a placement on the on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, that yeah, you're, you're may or never, may not. You know what I mean? Yeah, so you're never gonna.
2: You. Ne- I mean, in rare cases, you can. You. I mean. In certain industries, in certain cases, you can absolutely tag your PR efforts or your social media efforts or whatever. And everything that comes out of PR is tagged with PR. And as a result, you sell stuff. And then PR is credited with bringing in that much revenue. I have a lot of clients that do that. Um, the, The problem is, is the fact that All that really means is that you put out a piece of content um, that is tagged with PR and it gets picked up somewhere and somebody eventually buys stuff. It does not take into account the front page of the Wall Street Journal. But one of the problems with the front page of the Wall Street Journal attribution, anecdotally, you're always going to get stories. Hey, I saw you in the press and therefore blah, blah, blah. but the the problem with that is it doesn't happen very often. I mean, if you're on the front page of the Wall Street Journal once every two years, you're doing pretty well. So that's not what I'm, you know, signing checks to the PR department for. Um, I'm signing checks to have a steady stream of news that eventually drowns out the competition and gets our messages across. So, you know, PR is really all about messaging, positioning, all of those things. And unless you're measuring the message and everybody's trying to get the message out, right? I mean, digital, social, all of these things are all trying to get a message out or several messages out about the product or the brand. And so my suggestion is, just measure how many messages got out there and how many people saw them, and what it costs to get the messages out there.
0: Picking up on that, though, you know this gripe that that you know measurement tools can drive us crazy, and there's a lot to measure, and you certainly named a whole bunch of them. Um, and, and you know Ruth was saying that you have this great expression, you know, too many tools, too little think. Love um, that. Yeah. What do you mean by that? And um, you know, tell us what's coming. What new tools are coming that we should think about?
2: Well, I think that my, my feeling about tools is that what happens way too often is that vendors knock on the door, call you up, somehow send you something, you get the free trial, you do the demo, and you say, oh, that's such a pretty dashboard, let's buy that. Um, And, you know, it fits within the budget, let's do it well. So I'll tell you the example of a client who spent six hours with me figuring out the overall communications objectives, how we were going to measure it, all that stuff. At the end of it, they said, we just signed a contract with X for $80,000. Will it deliver the metrics that we just agreed upon? And I said, no, you just agreed upon volunteers and employee engagement and enthusiasm, which is not measured by a media analysis platform. So the first thing is, you know, the tool has got to measure what it is you're trying to measure, that's the first problem. And while the tools have gotten, especially the, what I call media analysis, you know, essentially it's content analysis, it's media analysis, Today, it's called everything from reputation management to social listening. I don't care what you call it. It means collecting stuff, analyzing it either with humans or with some AI-driven machine, uh, and coming up with some numbers at the end. And that is a useful thing to do if it's accurate, if the data is relevant, if you are eliminating all the – Spam farms and spam bots and troll farms and all the bad stuff out there, all the fake people, mm. uh, all of that stuff. If you can eliminate all of that stuff, then it's accurate. The problem. Right. The problem comes with smaller companies that don't get a lot of press or are not discussed a lot. If you're, you know, Microsoft getting a million mentions everywhere in the world every, you know, couple of days, you get a hundred thousand wrong, it doesn't matter. You know, I mean, you've got so much data that there's, you know, well, 10,000 wrong. It doesn't matter. But, you know, you get something wrong and um, it's not going to affect the bottom line. But if you're not a big company, if you're not huge and well known, you know, getting something wrong is is a disaster because who knows what stupid stuff is being picked up. So. This concept of these automated tools that deliver pretty dashboards with no human intervention and it's all gonna be easy, you know, as excuse the expression, but it's BS, you can't do it. There's no such thing as automated measurement because you still need human beings to check it. And what's happening is human beings get lazy and they don't check it. And then they're doing a presentation to senior leadership and the senior leadership says,
1: what's this? And
2: you go, oops. <laughs>
1: So, Katie, this whole tools thing is such an interesting conundrum because we need help, but often we don't get what we think we're getting. But because this podcast is about the future, what's coming over the horizon, could you give us a sense of how marketing communications measurement tools are going to be evolving over the next couple of years? What we should be watching out for? So there's
2: two two areas where I really see automation helping. One is in risk and crisis management. And there's a tool out there that um, I was the midwife of. I I basically said that AI was useless to PR until it could tell you whether you're going to have a crisis, what type of crisis it is, And what's the best way to respond? This tool has 40 years worth of crisis data. It can pinpoint a crisis. It can tell you what's coming. It can tell you what type of crisis it is. And it can tell you the possibilities of responses and predict how long each one is going to take to get you back to neutrality from negative press.
0: Wow, Wow, that's exciting.
2: So that's the kind of thing that is coming, right? I mean, it's there's. Uh, there's another tool out there, other tools out there now that can scan all the content for the complicated stuff, the issues, right? So if I'm thinking about, uh, the rising cost of healthcare, um, or health insurance or whatever, and it can go in there, look at that, and then look at the themes and the, the, the conversations going on about that. Um, So there's ways of probing. I can remember back when I started 30 years ago that what everybody wanted us to do manually was to monitor media to see where the next trend and where the next crisis was coming from. And obviously you couldn't do that with humans, but you can do that with AI today. So that's that's one big area. And sentiment analysis is is getting better and more subtle and messaging is getting better. All that stuff is getting better. The next piece though is, and it's really already here, is when there are there are platforms out there bringing in data from all these different sources that we're talking about. And they can tell you, you know, what a potential customer does before they get there, what a customer does after there, and do they, how often that they... Um, how how often they buy, if they don't buy on that schedule, why or what you need to do about it. I mean, all that marketing data and you know, in Google Analytics or Adobe or whatever, all of that data being crunched together in an integrated way is now really informing marketers as to what to do next. And that's already here. Now that's only gonna get smarter.
1: Well, Katie, it sounds like you're saying. AI and data in, in the future. And we certainly yeah. see the same in other, yes. uh, other areas of marketing. So I can't thank you enough for joining us today. And I know that you and Cindy are going to have to get together <laughs> over a beer sometime. <laughs> thank you for joining us. You're thank welcome. You, Katie. Thanks
0: for having me. Ruth, thank you so much for introducing me and our audience to Katie um, Delahaye Payne. Um, that was wonderful. And of course, as a metrics you know, gal, I, I love to talk to people who are bringing um, a point of view, even though it sometimes can be a little provocative, right? Mm. Um, I, I'd like to start this off with us. Um, with a really good comment that she said, you know, how some people will say you are what you eat, and <laughs> heavens, mm-hmm. that's been me over the pandemic. Um, <laughs> you know, when she said you become what you measure, I thought that that was really insightful. What did you think of that comment? Yeah, that it, I think it it
1: was a a kind of underpinning for the whole silo problem that she wisely pointed out that if we have a, a number of different marketing functions within communications or that involve communications, and each one has its own metric about what it's doing, then we're going to end up with competition internally and competition for budget and, and for prestige probably when what we really need to be doing is is lifting things up at a, a level that's more valuable to the business. So when she said, we need a, a holistic way of viewing marketing measurement so that the, the elements or the, the, the people in these teams all are pulling with the same oars at a higher level and they're also watching their their own little fiefdom of measurement as well. That seems like mm-hmm. the beginnings of a solution for the problem.
0: Yeah, she said, you know, if you're measured as a team plus your contributions to that team, right? Then you'll collaborate more with your team members. And um, I, I really like the concept that perhaps in a planning, when you're talking about the strategic planning process, if everyone on the marketing team is has that goal, that holistic goal, and then you understand what your contribution to the whole is, then while you still have to be measured and you still have to keep an eye on the ball of your piece of it, the ultimate right. question is, how did you contribute to the ultimate goal? How did you contribute to the team outcome? Right. I, I think we rarely do that. We're, we seem to be very silo-focused, like you yes, said.
1: Yes, indeed. And it ends up being the purview of the CMO or the marketing director who whose job it is to pull that team together against those higher level goals. Right.
0: Right. Well, in all the years that you were um, in that senior leadership position in marketing, Ruth, you know, how many budgets did you do where (laughs) we sat in a room and we did our zero based budget or we did whatever budgeting method you did and, you know, come hell or high water, you protected your money. You were not giving up any of your budget to the person down the hall. Indeed. Right.
1: Human nature does win out at the, in the end,
0: doesn't it? At some point it's hard to do, mm. but you know, that kind of leads to though another um, idea that um, she brought up that was interesting, Ruth. And, and that was um, pick your objectives, right? Objective.
1: right? Yeah. That not only does the team need to agree to some higher level Objectives, they have to examine them. I, I got the impression very carefully. The example she gave that I really liked was that if you're thinking about share of voice, make sure it's share of desirable voice, because you you definitely don't want to be going after people who are speaking ill of your product or your, your company. So that kind of clarity and specificity was a useful lesson for all of us.
0: It definitely was. It reminded me a bit going to our direct marketing uh, roots, Ruth, that you and I have always looked at, especially in B2B, where we would look at a sales qualified lead, or we'd look at a marketing qualified lead, right? An SQL or an MQL, and how they're very different in how you would assess, like a marketing qualified lead, um, and the importance of defining what the attributes of that would be and looking at a share of desirable voice. What does that mean? And why would that be relevant as opposed to, you know, all the noise She kept talking about all the noise out there that you can get caught up in that clutter and measuring negativity in sentiment may not be as worthwhile for your objective as measuring what the positive was.
1: That's a good reminder. And then we got her, predictions about the tools in, in the context of her, um, her her lovely phrase that uh, we should be thinking more <laughs> and less relying on, on the tools. But what I really loved in, in that conversation was that too often we're picking the tools that are actually wrong for the job <laughs> and that uh, we have to be really clear on what we're trying to measure. And the corollary there that I think you particularly liked was that measurement cannot be automated to the full extent, there's always going to need to be some human involvement. So people who are going around saying, this AI tool is going to solve your problems, sort of reminded me of the CRM tools in the old days Mm -hmm. when we thought, wow, we don't need a strategy. We have a CRM system. (laughs) And I think we might be guilty of thinking the same way going
0: forward. I agree. We've had several guests in the past, even when we have talked about CRM and comes to mind um, our CDP conversation and several others where we have um, had reinforcement from, from our technology guests who have reinforced the importance of the human element. Even our recent guest on CTV, on our connected uh, a TV, who was saying, you know, data scientists, this is the future for you, if you can apply strategic thinking and analytics yeah. to data. So right. this is another conversation around that. Thank goodness, we're not going to have driverless marketing anytime soon. <laughs>
1: right, <laughs> Driverless, I love it. But well, she did bring up Um, in in a side conversation, an interesting application for AI in the general uh, public relations arena that I thought deserves mention that has a particular application in risk and crisis management. Remember that? We should maybe um, give credit to that particular application because apparently, at least she was talking about the healthcare world, I think, where she said that there is really a lot of data about what's happened in the past. And with these more powerful AI type tools, we can actually um, analyze what kinds of crisis management has been triggered uh, by what kinds of risks or terrible um, out uh, terrible situations that we find ourselves in, and really gain new insights into how to conduct r- risk management. I mean, you know, and I know that minute you have enough data, you can start to really get useful advice and, and insights from it. And again, we just have to be careful that we're not thinking that no human insight is going to be required
0: right the the idea of predictability that you can use large volumes of big data to predict future outcomes. You can predict a crisis, she was saying. You can predict how long it might last. It was also interesting, and this was kind of that offline conversation we had, where she was saying you could predict timing of revenue realization. And Mm -hmm. I think of the number of uh, finance um, people I've sat in front of arguing for my campaign, and they're going to say, well, what's the net present value on this? What's my break even? What can I look at it for my take rate? If you could actually, actually have ai help you predict out when you're going to realize the revenue think about how powerful that could be in a marketing discussion with finance people oh so ruth that was really insightful as an offline for us but um, so what do you think our three big takeaways should be from this wide-ranging conversation
1: well, we've got to go for the holistic concept, getting the whole team together to work toward mutually agreed
0: objectives. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: And what else? Let's see. Oh, that we want to consider what objectives we're picking very carefully. Yes. And uh, then what's the third one? That we na- we have to make sure the tools we're using are actually right for the job and that very likely a fully automated measurement is never really going to be available. Oh, and there's one other thing, Cindy. She mentioned that we have to be able to pull the fraud that we find in marketing communications today out of the measurement picture. I I know that Dr. Augustine Fu would be clapping his hands if he were in the audience today. A prior guest.
0: Absolutely, and and I think that that weighs in heavily with the too little think. Um, You know, If we get lazy, uh, we will make bad decisions based on bad data and the fraud, the amount of fraud data that could influence um, our outcomes here is enormous. That was a great point. I'm glad you brought it up, Ruth.
1: Here, here. So, So great session today, Cindy. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Horizons hosted by Ruth Stevens and Cindy Greenglass. Please be sure to visit go.wvu.edu/mc today to view our upcoming conversations, listen to previous discussions, and subscribe to receive updates.